Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and today I want to talk with you about some more editing tips. Now, no matter where you are in your writing journey, these episodes are going to be instrumental in helping you advance your writing. And we're all at different levels. You may not need this, you know, cut the word was, and because you may have already learned that along the way. You might be a crisp, sharp writer. However, those of us that are, you know, capturing story without the details <laughs> uh, really, you know, standing out for us. And then we get to the end and we go, oh, I see what I'm doing. Oh, that's an editing technique. <laughs> and we're learning. These are for you. And for those of my listeners out there who I love and are advanced in the editing, if you guys would love to share some editing tips, come on, send them to me. Or if you are an editor and a freelance editor and you want to help sister out, go ahead and email me at jenlowrywrites at gmail.com and let's talk. <laughs> okay, so my goal, I have 23 chapters. Ooh, you know. And I wanted to spend 23 days. Well, I might just be 23 days in chapter one, honestly, because I am already off schedule with my editing, and I'm all right with it. One, I'm learning so much. Two, I'm having fun. And three, you will not believe the result. So much better. All right. And here's what it's going to take. It's going to take you pulling up your manuscript and I suggest you write the whole thing okay really um, I know a lady who last summer was just piecemealing things together because she was such into the editing phase no 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 write the whole thing write it all down say you've completed your book then you can go back in however if you learn these tips along the way you might make less amateur mistakes and that's what people are calling these like the people they I'm using that even in my book they say that you know if you do these particular nuances in your writing these patterns that you know editors and agents that can pick it up right away when they're looking at your first 10 pages and they're like nope too amateurish nope nope so here's what I suggest you to do take notes 
And I'm taking notes, not only in my journal, but guys, I started an editing word processing sheet because I wanted to make sure that I was documenting and keeping this stuff and it not get lost somewhere. Like I take my journal to work and then I leave it over the weekend. Or let's say I take my journal out to the park and, and somehow, you know, it's, it, I just, I'm like, I can't lose these. So I'm going to tell you some things today that I hope can help you share them out with your writing friends and let's build our writing community. Let's make it 20,000 before the end of the year. So, all right, number one, take out ing words and i'm not talking about sling and swing like you can't say swall you know what i'm talking about those words that have swimming and running and dancing all of the ing words that you don't need and when i tell you to kill these words and murder them yes i do i want you to be a serial killer though and selectively kill these words like imagine the ing you know, having particular characteristic about them that just really intrigues you and you have to start stalking it. So go to the search button, type in ING and start looking. And I'm like, oh my gosh, y'all, it's hilarious. I had an ING in my first sentence. No joke. And I'm like, wow, let me change it now. Because here's what's going to happen. If you have an ING, you're probably going to have, let's just say, she was dancing to her favorite song. I'm just throwing out a sentence there. You can have was in front of it. Was is a filler word. You've already heard me tell you to cut was. Well, I went through and I cut was, but if it had ING next to it, I felt like it needed to stay. Hmm. No, not always. So then I changed up these sentences and I put, you know, she danced to her favorite song. I'm like, oh, these little things, thank you for you editors out there who share. Because that's such simple knowledge that, yes, I should know. But you know what? I don't know everything. I'm just glad I know it now. So don't beat yourself up and don't, you know, go around looking shame-faced because here we are editing and, you know, especially, you know, if you're older like me and you've got years of experience behind you, but you've never investigated this, it's, it's fine. We're, we're, we get better each day. So take out your INGs. Okay, your next one. Take out your LYs. Now, you can't take it. So, here's the thing. Don't you dare do one of them, um, anything with an L-Y delete because, Lord help, you're taking family out, you know. And so, that's what was happening to me. I was getting family a little bit too much. And then I was like, well, maybe I'm overusing the word family. <laughs> so, I did in my, you know, did write that down in my journal. Family, maybe so. So, I put painfully beautiful. And do I need painful and beautiful? Um, and would she really say beautiful? She'd probably say painful more than that. So I looked at the word choices that I had connected then. And so when I read that sentence to begin with, I really liked that because 
you know, I was saying that something had morphed, you know, it was changing, and, um, into this, you know, painfully beautiful thing, you know, I don't know the exact sentence, but I'm just giving you the way that I wrote it, so then I changed it around, and, you know, instead of morphing, it was morphing, so it already morphed, okay, and then I put a painful yearning, and I took out beautiful, because I was like, it's just too much, you know, it's just too much, it's to read out loud, and it was kind of awkward when I looked at it, like, with stuff that's in your head sometimes, it may not really sound good when somebody else is reading it, so that's tip number three, take an excerpt of your work, it does not have to be long, so my, pro okay, I've never put in a prologue to any of my stories before, but I decided in this case, it truly needed a prologue, and I wanted it to have some mysterious elements in it, so I took the excerpt of the prologue and shared it, and I shared it with a group of students, and I had a group, a student, who I truly love her enthusiasm for the written word. She has four books in her book sack. I asked her yesterday. Um, she said, and the only reason why I have four is I took two of them out. And then when um, she was walking out of the room and I had, um, I was taking up the Fahrenheit book. She was like, you've got my book. Wait, wait, wait. And I'm like, oh no, dear. I cannot do that to you. <laughs> it was hilarious. Don't ever let me take your books. And we're quoting out of the, um, out of the book itself so yes I, I just love her feedback so she told me she'd be my editor for one million dollars which I told her I was hoping she said I'll be your editor for free this summer but no didn't work she said a million dollars so she's too pricey so I won't like drop her name or anything in the description <laughs> so so right as the, at the beginning of class I showed them the excerpt and I said okay guys here's the model and I want us to talk through word choice because this is what authors are doing and we're doing the standard and we're going through Ray Bradbury right now and we're really picking it apart. So I'm like, let's do that. Let's do that with this prologue, two paragraphs, that's all. So at first, right away, I get the, well, okay, I like that it's two paragraphs because we didn't even read one time this and this. When I was reading a book, it was so long. It was ridiculous. I saw the introduction, and I saw the prologue that I skipped over all of it. I said, I don't care. And I'm like, hmm, those are interesting tips. Then we started to read. And when the students were saying, well, then what's this word? And what's that word? In the prologue, I was fine with that because that means, okay, it's... it's gonna have some advanced vocabulary well maybe not as advanced but just maybe words that they're not as familiar with and I'm good with that I want that and one kid even asked out loud you know like what does that word mean and another student you know let them know so it wasn't like everybody in the whole room didn't know what it was so I felt really good about those two paragraphs I was like because the vocabulary that happened twice and I'm good with that yay um so then while the student was reading it out loud, and this student, she volunteers to read all the time, I could hear problems. Well, one, I spelled black wrong, 
and I also spelled a last name wrong. And the kids were like, how did you spell that wrong? And I'm like, listen, guys, you got to understand, I'm staying up. It was after 12 o'clock last night when I wrote this prologue. I said, because I really wanted you guys to just get, like, the feel of it. And I wanted to put one in there and play. I said, so when I'm writing late, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make a mistake. I said, that's why we're editing. That's why you've got to have somebody revise, go through, and help you with, with, with your revisions. And so I fixed the two errors really fast and the two paragraphs. And I loved it because I did not do that intentionally. And we're talking tech tools anyway in class. And so when we were going over Grammarly, I intentionally spelled things wrong for them so they could see how to do the options and everything. Um, and then when we were reading Fahrenheit yesterday, guess what? They had uh, spelled a word that was wrong. And when we were reading Tolkien last night, there was a Lord of the Rings print. And sure enough, there was a misspelling in there. They spelled wagon, W-A-G-G-O-N. They kept it like that, like five times. And um, I had to tell my son, you know, that's just the way that they might have spelled it. Or he wanted to make a new word or it was a mistake. Either way, don't worry about it. You know, read with optimism. And that's how I tried to teach my children yesterday. Is that when you're evaluating work, still read with optimism. Give the writer the benefit of the doubt because sometimes a publishing error can happen. So... We read the two paragraphs, and I realized that I needed to clean it up. It was too long, even in the wording. Like, the sentences were too long. And then, my student, she goes, she makes a very astute observation. Oh, you like to write with questions, don't you? You like to write like Ray Bradbury. <laughs> Y'all, I didn't even recognize it. And it takes somebody else. And I'm like maybe I do. I'm like, you know, I've never dawned, it never dawned on me before. Like, so every writer has a style. Every writer does a thing. Um, I love Bradbury's use of fragments. I think that they are beautifully placed with the L-Y on the end. I can talk and say an adverb like that if I want to. I just think that, um, he could punch words to me in a way that gave me blows and it would either be to my mind to my heart to my gut like yesterday I wanted to cry when I read about Faber and maybe I do you know that's my favorite book I've read it four times maybe you when the more that you read something that you love and an author that you love, maybe you do start to kind of pattern yourself with things you love about that author. Now, my work, guys, I'm never going to say that my work is at a level of Ray Bradbury. There is no way, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and call that out now. But when I talk about finding models, maybe internally, I say, well, I love the way, love the way that... Stephanie Meyer had me fall in love with Edward and the Bella relationship. And so by me having the way that I fell in love with those characters when I was younger reading those books, maybe that's why I navigate towards I want people to fall in love the way I did. I want them to fall in love with Tyler and Victoria's relationship. So 
maybe that's what makes me so careful-minded about what I'm doing. But when you have somebody read it aloud and then they start throwing things back at you, that's when you know you've got something that you can work with because commas needed to be placed where they weren't because pauses needed to happen. Sentences were too long and they were like, oh my God, this sentence is so long and there's a run on Miss Lowry and I'm like, no, well, it's not a run on, but it is a long sentence. So then when we were reading in Ray Bradbury and they were like, oh my gosh, look at this sentence. And I'm like, I know guys, go ahead and say it. And then when we were reading aloud in Fahrenheit, they were like, oh, there's a question. There's a question. And then finally I was like, look, maybe, you know, the girl was right. She was right. And I was like, uh, maybe I do the questions, the, the questioning technique, and, and I do that a lot. And I'm like, so then wonder why would I do it? What's the purpose behind it? And a student said, to allow the uh, reader to question the same thing or then see his internal conflict. And so you're right. When you have a question, you have an internal conflict of some sort. Even if it's, do you want grape ice cream or vanilla? Well, that to me is not really a conflict because when I get my grape ice cream, I'm completely satisfied. But you know, like if you're somewhere and you've got to decide on the exact right prom dress, you're at a conflict, especially if you've got two that really um, stand out for you. And so you question, what do you like about those things? And so maybe that is why I do it, because to show the internal conflict, to show the thought process without saying he thought, she thought, because you got to drop those two um, and italicize. And it says, you know, go sparingly with italics. Well, sometimes people do have their little thing they do. I'm not going to say that I make italics in every paragraph, but I will say that there is a lot of thought of my characters to bring you into their mind. So, the next editing tip, if you haven't figured it out yet, that long story short, is have somebody read your work out loud in front of you, if you can. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. Just a little excerpt like that talked a lot to my style. And then when I went back last night, so last night, 9.30, I'm at my office desk, and I am evaluating chapter one again. I can't leave it alone. I fixed the prologue. That one I'm satisfied with. I'm satisfied enough with the prologue that I copied it and I pasted it into my street team. And if you want to be a part of the street team and read as I go, just email me at jenlowrywrites at gmail.com and you can catch up because um, I already put that in there for the um, street team to see. And so... After I've, you know, the prologue is out there for a select few. Now I went back to chapter one. I did the INGs, I did the LYs, and then I started to read it aloud. I'm like, nope, too long. Sentence too long. Nope, this one. Wait, they have four questions in a row. How about if I combine these and only make two questions? Um, so then I was actually being more mindful of the Ray Bradbury questioning technique that he possibly leans to in this book. And I'm like, okay, so at first he questioned nothing and then he questions everything. And so she's questioning at the beginning and um, is going through a lot of the internal conflict and trying to resolve her feelings. So I do need to like narrow it down a little bit. Though. I need to tone it down. So I did that. She shrugged her shoulders. Guys, here's another one. Okay, 
I'm thinking we're at number five right now, and I'm driving, so I don't write these things down. So if I'm, um, if I did not number these correctly, you know, please, you know, have some optimistic grace here with me. <laughs> but it's not about, you know, she shrugged her shoulders. What else she gonna shrug? Another one. I put she slammed the door behind her. Okay. Well, if she's leaving out, I know she's slamming the door behind her. So she just she slammed the door. Some of those little things, like, at the ends, I was catching myself doing more than I would have liked in Chapter 1. And I'm like, amateur mistakes. You know, I'm telling too much. That's a telling issue. Um, so, you know, instead of saying, you know, you know, she was letting her anger get the best of her, talk about how, you know, her fists, you know, were clenched. And she was, you know, she, when you finch your fist, what I see, when students start to flinch their clit, oh my God, I can't even talk. When students that I see that are about to go down and they're clenching, that means they've already made the decision and their body's about to react. And so, you know, I know those kind of reactionary things. And so, why am I trying to tell too much? So, okay, we got in the issue with the telling. And that has been a red flag for me. So, what I did is I, you know, I like Ellen Brock. So, go find her. She's an editor. I subscribed to her channel. I have went to her blog. I actually multiplied myself to over $800. And I know prices can change. But for a developmental edit... And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, yes, I got a new freelance contract yesterday, but it's nowhere near $800. <laughs> it's $150 and that's going to buy my ISBN numbers. So I'm like, I can't, you know, I can't do that. So I'm praying that something is going to come up and I'm going to get the funds or the sponsorships to get the editor that I need. Um, I did get a new sponsor last week, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but I know that that's on my spreadsheet of wants and needs, honestly. But um, So I love her videos. So I'm trying to learn to do as much as I can, to clean it up as much as I can before the betas get hold of it. So Ellen Brock gives great examples. You could go online and find other really good editors that tell you these examples, and they're reading them on the screen. There's too many for me to even start listing out right now in the car without coffee. So just I'm encouraging you to go and start watching YouTube videos by editors or other self-published or published authors who have a really good track record who are giving this advice out. So do that. It'll help you. And if and I've got my channel up and going at Jen Lowry Writes Everyday Mom Challenge. So you guys can go on and see the progression of the Jen Lowry Writes. So as I'm researching, I'm also putting it out there and trying it, seeing what happens. So with the editor in mind, with the showing and the telling, here I am playing all of these videos. And I'm going, oh, I see. Because you've got to be able to identify where you're making these mistakes. And that can be harder than you recognize. Anytime you see that you've used the words that are emotion-based words, that can give you it away. That can hint to you. So if you put scared or happy or sad, instead of saying frightened, you know, any of those words, 
So look for those trigger words of emotional words. Maybe you need to um, investigate other ways through the spirit of how you could say it best to match your character. So pray over it while you're writing. And then I came up with, you know, I was channeling how somebody would when they felt threatened, um, how they would respond. So that way the reader sees the response, then they would say, okay, I've seen a fight about to break out in the hallway, so I'm going to know um, that that's what, you know, how she's feeling right now. And I don't blame her because I would probably want to do it too. Um, those kind of, you know, reworks, re-edit, you know, rewrites. So go ahead and do those and do them chapter by chapter. So I'm still living in chapter one. So I'm thinking that I've got to five tips so far. I want to tell you that still looking for words that you're using that are um, most likely is another one. Um, so this is number six. Continue to look for lists that have words that you need to cut that are not necessary. So just most likely um, think of those kind of words that to go in and do a search and a find. But there could be other words like thought. Okay, so let's talk about this. I mentioned it earlier. So if you put down, she thought, and then you italicize, hmm, don't you think your reader understands that when it italics um, and it's a change in the font, then something else is going on? And they've probably read a lot more books than yours, <laughs> and they see this in books. So listen, give the reader some intelligence here, and don't put, he thought. He pondered, he wondered, he figured, he guessed. Don't do any of that. Drop the first ones and just put what they thought. Please do that and then read it. See what you think. Because honestly, in my like humble opinion here, I liked it a lot better. It was clean. Okay, I do believe that that is my amateur mistake. So, I'm calling it out. I'm calling my mistakes out. And I'm telling you guys, I had that in the first chapter. Every time I went to her thoughts, come on. I'm like, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. And so, I took them all out. And I italicized. Okay. Then I didn't make her thoughts as long. Because I wanted the pacing to keep going. So you have to consider that while you're editing. And if you cut off some of those tag words in there, it'll be better. Trust me. Even when you're cutting the ing and taking out was, that's going to be huge. That's like the number one thing to start doing is was. Um, okay. So that was number six. So with the number seven. Please look at your descriptions in chapter one. And since I'm living in chapter one right now, I realized that I did not do the old thing about looking in the mirror. I used to do that. Don't do looking in the mirror. There's no reason why you need to do that. You can describe a character in a different way. And I love the YouTube videos out there. I mentioned one of them yesterday where the lady read out all of the parts in the first chapter of the Chamber of Secrets in Harry Potter about how J.K. Rowling went about explaining Dudley 
and explaining Harry using description without having Harry look in the mirror at, you know, his skinny self. So, with that being said, please do that. And so, with, so for example, in my book, Tyler is Native American, okay? He's Lumbee Indian. My children are Lumbee Indian. I have a story to tell you guys all about the reasons why I chose um, and made, made choices like I did. So, um, this one is obvious, okay? My children are Native American, so... My son has had long hair since he was a baby. There's been a couple of periods in his life where it's been short, um, including at the moment. However, he, he had his hair long. And when I mean long, I mean way longer than mine, all the way down his back. And it is absolutely the most gorgeous hair. And it curls. It is so beautiful. Um, so, last summer when I wrote... The Hartwell Chronicles, he had his long hair. He didn't cut his hair until um, the beginning of school year last year. It was around September, October when he decided to go short. And it was, you know, he knew he had to have a job. So he knew that he was going to put it back in a hairnet. And he was like, I'm not going to deal with that every day. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to cut it. So that's why he cut it. And he, he likes his hair short now. However, he was, when I wrote the book, he's permanently stamped in my novel, He Lives On, because Tyler Locklear is patterned after my two boys. There's a mixture of the both of them, and that's why Stitch is in there, or Snitch. We call him Snitch. So, um, that is honestly what we call Lilo and Stitch, you know, the whole thing. We call it Snitch because that's what my baby called um so he has a snitch doll in there. So you can just imagine what snitch is. It's not a copyright issue. Um, <laughs> because I don't use stitch. But my baby calls him snitch. Um, so he has a snitch character that he has with him. That's in his van and everything. Um, and he has long hair. Well, I'm not just going to say Tyler's, you know. Tyler has long hair. Long dark hair. You know, nah. I put down that when she got one of his snapped pictures, his long hair was peeking around his milkshake. And you can't use cookout if you, I mean, you can if you're big and and you don't care about, you know, that. And I was told by my publisher that you can use words and that um, identify products as long as you're using them in a good light. However, with me doing my own book... I don't want to even have to go that route, so it's not. It's I did not say a cookout shake. I just created a new one. People could get that it was a locally owned restaurant. They would know that it's a milkshake, and of course, it has to be grape ice cream. I think I've said that twice. It's getting close to July 4th, um, Lumbee Homecoming, and all my people back home know what we get, and we line up for it, and that's the grape ice cream every year. So, um, his favorite is the grape shake. He brought it to the restaurant, I guess I could say, his ingredients um, from his um, Lumbee preferences <laughs> and upbringing. So I had to put in the grape shake in there, um, even though my character's living in Raleigh now. Um, they're from Robinson County. So, so here we go. We've got, you know, a way to describe 
my character without, you know, saying something like, Tyler looked in a mirror. No, didn't do that. The way I described my girls is that I compared them to an actress. Um, how many people have been reading a book and then you skip over and you actually go and Google a name? So I did compare them to an actress's name. In real life, um, she's absolutely phenomenally gorgeous, like truly a gorgeous woman who would play the mom in the in the books. And Jenna Ortega would play my girl. So I already called out Jenna Ortega um, in a tweet because I patterned my character after her. So, yes, I did give a shout-out to that um, in the book. And using that actress's name, I'm like, it's fine. I'm using it in a lovely light. So, I didn't feel uncomfortable about that at all. And I'm going to let the actress know <laughs> that I used her name. I used a band name. I let the band, you know, know. I asked permission. Can I use your band name? In the, while I'm editing and I've got time. And they said, oh my gosh, yes you can. We would be honored. So go ahead and do some bold asks. You know, and then you've got written permission that you can use names in, in case something ever does come up. Um, and so here we go again, you know, editing with a purpose and an intention. Watching how you're using descriptions and then how can you do that around maybe a name Maybe around an actor and an actress, or maybe just looking at how other authors are doing it and get away the old cliche from the mirror technique or the photograph technique. Now, I did put a photograph in there because she was looking at band posters, she was looking at photographs, and so it fit. And if people say, Well, that's cliche, well, that's okay. My girl takes pictures, loves images. You know, she has, she's a designer. She's looking at, you know, she's commenting on the clothes that she made. And so, or in her, she's not commenting. She's thinking about the clothes, the style that she made. So it tells about some of her character. Um, and so I'm okay with leaving that one. You can say, well, Jennifer, that's a cliche. Well, at least I didn't do the photograph and the mirror. <laughs> and I made an intentional choice. Because it brought up something about the two characters and sister time. And she calls her sister girl. And so I put those kind of things in there. While she's talking about the the way it used to be. And what is something that we do when we hold up a photography. You know, when we hold up an, a photograph. The photography is meant to capture those what used to be moments. And so that's important for me to do that with her. Um... And she's an artist. So I have to, you know, I have to kind of go to the photographs and, and pull out that about her. Um, in chapter one, I at least built that. So I will tell you that these seven tips, hopefully, will help you on your way, especially in chapter one. And if you start these this way, then maybe you won't have to do so much editing like what I'm doing right now at the end. But I tell you guys, do not think that we can go through this writing career without learning to self-edit like I used to think. 
you know, I used to be blind to that. And I would say, you know, my editor is getting paid. Well, my editor did get paid. But what I realized is that I should have been, you know, more proactive. I should have taken care of these errors and mistakes. But I didn't know then. Now I do. So each day that I move forward, I've got to grow stronger and I've got to develop my craft. And I know I rambled a lot. And I don't have my journal book in front of me as I drive in the car. And if I would have made this video, it would have probably been more boom, boom, boom. So I'm going to go home later um, after my kids take their homeschool end of the year test. And I'm probably going to put up a video about what I've learned in chapter one. And you can check that out because when I have my book in front of me with all of my notes, I actually might say some things that are completely different than this podcast. I might actually download and um, put in a different podcast from the YouTube video because um, that's another way that I can cross use my work. So it could be a little redundant. Who knows? Um, but at least I'll have it in front of me. And I'll tell you, guys. You've got to keep, you know, researching, listening, you know, listen to podcasts, listen to editors, find editors, email people, look around who's in your circle, maybe somebody that's got a book out that you really admire, message them, hey, who was your editor? So I did that yesterday. Okay, so I was watching this guy that I've subscribed to on YouTube. I've been watching his stuff for like six months now. And I cannot even remember his name. Oh, my gosh. I draw blanks with names. I'm good that I watched, you know, Ellen Brock and can remember her because I've watched like a million of her videos. She don't have that many, but I'm telling you, I've watched probably that many. Um, I would really recommend her. But I've been watching this guy, and he put in the bottom, here's the link to my editor. Her name is Ann, and he gives out the link. And I'm like, dude, the link is broken. So I got on there and was comments, and I'm like, dude, your link is broken. Can you hook me up? So yes, I am looking for an editor. And what Greg told me the other day when he had his editor, he, you know, his work was immaculate. I found no errors in it. Um, he was like, I really like my editor. You get what you pay for. And I'm like, I know I've got to pay for this. So what I'm going to do is I'm speaking life into my editing situation. I reached out to a, a person who was training to be an editor, but she refused to read my work because she can't read anything horror. Um, uh, so when I texted her yesterday to ask her, she just gracefully declined. She said, if you write fantasy or historical fiction, I would love to edit your work. However, I know you're working on horror. I'm so, so probably thinking you've got gore in there. And I can't touch any of that. So I have to respect that. And I know that not everybody is going to like this horror work. Um, but the thing I like about Ellen Brock is that Ellen Brock says, I'll read anything as long as it, you know, of course it doesn't um, push that. She says it in a way that I love. You know, like you can't be on my podcast. You can't start um, going very negative. You can't. And you, you're not going to put those views out there. Um, if you're going to start stereotyping or discriminating, no. Um, and she says that in there. If your main character is doing things like this, no. Um, but she's like, I'm open to reading everything. I mean, that's what editors should do. They're looking for line content. They're looking for style. They're looking. I need a developmental editor. That's exactly what I need. Um, to look at my plot, my character consistencies, the dialogue, the push. Um, 
all of that. So um, even though I'm learning to self-edit, that doesn't replace the fact that I know that I still need an editor. So please be in prayer with me because I do not have the funds. And the issue with me right now is that teachers are walking into uh, two months of not being paid. So no, teachers don't get paid in the summertime. And so we have to save over the course of the 10 months in order to make our salary stretch the 11 and 12 months of the summer months. Um, we also get a huge chunk taken out of our insurance because we have to prepay for that because there's not a check that comes out. And I have to have two months of my son's car payment to come out because I have a direct loan for my bank. And so that's a big chunk that's got to come out of those savings as well because I don't have my check to come out prior to. So guys, you know, summers are tight. And I'm just praying for freelance. I'm praying for abundance and contracts. I'm praying for favor. I'm praying for donations. I'm praying for sponsorships. I'm praying for Patreon. I'm praying for the support. I'm praying for, you know, an editor to contact me and say, you know, I believe in what you're doing. Can I pay it forward and edit your book and be a part of this best-selling novel experience? Because I'm claiming it, guys. I'm claiming it now. So just be in prayer. My number one prayer, the ask and you shall receive, is that an editor steps forward. And I'm fine with praying that out loud. Because other people have stepped forward in my life when time has, you know, has been needed and God's timing and has been the perfect person for the work. And so God can do that again for me. So I want to thank you guys for hearing me rant and rave. I am so excited about the Heartwell Chronicles. I can't wait to share it with you. If you want to be on the street team and you want to read the prologue, I already have the prologue ready. Um, send me an email and I'll add you to the group. All right, guys. Have a blessed one. If you're looking for my challenge devotionals on Amazon, go right on over and type in Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry and you'll see my 30-day everyday mom challenge, my 30-day teacher challenge, fingerprint curriculum for my home school families, and one that's closest to my heart is the Happy Renewal Year Challenge devotional. I dare you to go and check them out today. You can also find that they're on Kindle Unlimited because I want you guys to have access. I often put them up for free uh, promotional items. I'll do countdowns. Um, so that way you can grab one. You can gift them with a friend. You can share them out on your sites. And people can go on this journey with us. In December of 2019, look out for the release of my author challenge devotional. I'm looking forward to that one and sharing it with you. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. 
You guys have a blessed day.